today's message deals with the joy of the Lord because hope produces joy. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, listen to what it says. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, which tells us hope can produce something, contagious joy. And it's powered by the spirit of almighty God. Some people are powered by the wrong things. And today God's going to show us how you can be powered by the good things and have joy in your heart. Not religion, but joy. Not, not the stuff that puts you down in the dumps, but to have the joy of the Lord. Can we pray? Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. Thank you, Lord, that everything that I say is going to fall to the ground. But every word that comes from you is going to penetrate the hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said... Amen. Think about when it says abounding in hope. That means it's splashing out of you and it's running over. I had a friend years ago and back in the day when polo cologne was really popular. Now, some of you don't go back that far. Some of you go back to high karate days or maybe brute 45. But he was in the polo days and he would wear polo cologne. He loved God, but he would wear polo cologne. And when he would pray for people, every bit of what was on him would get on the people that he would pray for. And people would be overwhelmed by this aroma and thinking the anointing of God was there and it was God's anointing. No, it was polo. Because what was on him was getting on them. You see, what we have in us and on us will get on other people, whether we realize it or not. He would, he would put so much of that stuff on him that it would splash over. The Bible says in Psalms 23 that our cup can runneth over. How many of you know if your cup runneth over, it, it's a good thing because goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. I had a person tell me some time ago, they said, oh, Joey, man, I, I, my, cup is, my cup is so empty and I'm so dry and I, and I just kind of pause. And I said, well, thank God you got a cup. Because if you have a cup, that means it has the ability to run over. And it, that's what God's saying here, that you can be filled with the right stuff, not polo cologne. If you're wearing that, we're going to kick you out. Not with the polo cologne, but you can be filled up with the right stuff called joy, and it can splash over everybody it gets in contact with. And they can see something in you and like it and want to be a part of that. Does that describe you this morning? For many people, it doesn't. Have you lost your joy today? Has the shout of the victory been strangled by the sob of a broken heart. You know, the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, there's a time when weeping is good. We get the term good grief. It's where you lose a loved one, a family member, a friend, someone you dearly, dearly hold to, and they pass away or they, or they get out of your life. And there's a weeping process. It's where we get the term good grief from. But the message is clear. Weeping ends and joy comes. Weeping has a season, but joy can be eternal because it comes from the throne of God. I think that's important because some of you need to realize there's a time and a season to weep and to kind of mourn over the things of the past. But today, let's declare a new day. Weeping has ended and let the joy of the Lord come. Can I get a witness this morning? And when it comes, the Bible says... 
where it comes from, it comes fresh from the throne room of God. But understand, joy is not happiness. We often confuse that often in, the, in life because we think it's happiness. When we're talking about joy, we're talking about happiness. But that's not happiness what I'm talking about. Happiness comes from the Scandinavian root word hap, where we get chance or happenstance. So the obvious message in the English language, if you're talking about happiness, it's based upon chance or what happens to you. And if many of us go by our happiness, we can't control what happens to us. We can't control what, what that person did to us and said to us. We can't control what life has brought our way. And so we're like an emotional roller coaster, up one day, down the next, and we're living by our happiness is good if life is good, but if life is not good, we're not happy. But that's not what the scriptures tell us. Happiness cannot be because of, uh, our joy is not because of happiness. Happiness is based on chance, but joy comes from God, and there's a world of difference. There's so much difference in it, but many people treat it the same. They think happiness is joy. Joy is not happiness. If your name is Paul and you have a friend named Silas and you've been beaten in a jail at Philippi and your back split wide open and you're, you're hanging suspended between heaven and earth in a jail cell, you will not sing because happiness is out the door. But if you're filled with joy, I said, if you're filled with joy, you're going to sing in the jail at Philippi in the midnight hour. And all of a sudden, people will join in with you because it's going to splash out of you and over you. That, that smell is going to get on others, and they're going to want what you have. And as a result of singing in the midst of confusion and chaos, you'll walk out the jailhouse with the keys in one hand and a new believer in the other hand because the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. But we live in a world today, man, it's desperately searching for joy. In America, we search for joy with drugs and alcohol and materialism. We take exotic trips to escape our problems only to get there and unpack and realize that when we look in the mirror, the source of our problem has traveled with us. We're uptight. We spend uh, all this time and energy. We're always in knots. We're always uptight. I had a lady recently told me, she said, Joey, the only thing holding me together is my hairspray. <laughs> I thought, Odele, Aquanet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that back in the day, Aquanet? When I had a papador, I used to have Aquanet, by the way. No, I... <laughs> no, it's teasing. I've never had a papador, never have, never will. But I want you to think about this because we represent 6% of the world's population in America, but we take over 90% of the tranquilizers. What's the message? The message is you and I are sometimes uptight. We're uptight. They now tell us, and I just read this article, that one in four Americans have a serious emotional issue. Now think about that. One in four Americans have a serious emotional issue. What does that tell us? If you get in a group of four and three of them look okay, it's you. We're uptight. We have issues. We have stuff going on. We have a joyless church now. We have joyless marriages. And people are, are trying to fill the void of, of being joyless and not being happy with all the wrong things. And people lose hope. Because they fill it with the wrong thing. So, man, they lose hope in a marriage. They, they lose hope that a marriage can be resurrected from the dead. They lose hope that their life can come back again. Think about when God created uh, Eve and Adam. He creates Adam in the garden. Then he 
makes this beautiful woman for Adam in the garden and gives her to Adam. And here Eve is. She's beautiful. And God gives this man, Adam, this beautiful woman, Eve. And Adam's like beside himself. He can't believe it. He's like, God, she she is so beautiful. God says, yeah, Adam, so you'll love her. God, she's, she's, she's such a good mom. Yeah, Adam, so, so you'll love her. God, she's so kind-hearted. Yeah, Adam, so you will love her. But God, I got to ask you, why is she so dumb? Adam, so she'll love you. That's why. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, full of it, ladies and gentlemen. Full of it. But not only do we have joyless marriages, we have joyless Christians. It looks something out of the walking dead watching some people walk into church. They look like a walking zombie looking around like their, their face is just, it's been reprinted by the book of Lamentations and they're sucking on lemons and they're just, they're sour, they're down. And I want you to know Christ invited us to a wedding feast and not a funeral. I love what Dr. Bailey said. He was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He said a man dropped dead in the local Baptist church, dropped dead of a heart attack. They called EMS. EMS came, hauled 13 bodies out before they found the real corpse. That means there was a lot of dead people in the church. Christ has invited you and I to be joy-filled, to be hope-filled people. Not doom and glooners, not down and outers, not people that are always looking from one problem to another problem, one calamity to another calamity. God says, I've invited you to be a partaker of my great communion supper. That means you and I have this fellowship together. I am yours and you belong to me. God says, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you the best of things in the worst of time. And that's the great exchange. All we have for all he has. What a deal. That means I took his healing and I gave him my sickness and disease. I took his wealth and I gave him my poverty. I took his forgiveness and I gave him my sin and shame. He paid a debt he did not owe and we owed a debt we could never pay and at Calvary we made the great exchange. I don't know about you but that makes me pretty happy. You say, well, I don't deserve that. Nobody deserves it. That's the beauty of the gospel. Not religion, not denomination, but the beauty of God is that he gives us something called joy, which produces hope. But we have times in our lives where we live by circumstances and we don't live by hope. We live by doom and gloom, one problem to the next, and we don't live with hope. Aren't you tired of like that old sad sack Christianity? Some of you, aren't you just tired of just kind of going through life, uh, uh, doing the same old thing, expecting a different result? Aren't you tired of living stressed out, worried, and down in the dumps? I want you to know God says you don't have to live that way. May the God of hope fill you with joy, that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God says, when you honor me, you give me a shout of praise, I'll begin to fight the battle for you. The Bible says, make a joyful shout unto God. Why in the world is that important? Because God says, when you have a joyful shout, I fight battles for you. I do things that cannot be accomplished in your own strength. I start fighting for you. Why? Because when you have joy, it's a weapon. 
When you're joy-filled, it's a weapon against the enemy. It's a weapon of supernatural warfare. Listen to Psalms 32, verse 11. Let them ever shout for joy and be glad. That's talking about you and I as believers. Psalms 35, 27 declares, shout for joy all he who are upright. Why? Because the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. God takes pleasure when you're joy-filled, when you're hopeful, optimistic, when you're looking at the glass, not half empty and not even half full, but you're looking at it like, God, I thank you, I got a glass. It may not be where I want it to be right now, but there's coming a day you're going to pour out the blessings on me that I'll not have room enough to contain it. But can I tell you, the devil can't spell joy. Being drunk is not joy, by the way. Some of you are like, I'm just going to get tossed up. Getting drunk's not joy. You ever meet the sorry drunk? There's nothing joyful about an old sad drunk. Reminds me of the minister. He was driving. He was kind of driving erratically, and he, he was kind of had one too many communion cups than he should have, and he was driving erratically, and he got pulled over by the highway patrolman. Highway patrolman pulled him over and said, Sir, you were kind of swerving there, and I, I, I just I want to know what's in that container cup in your lap. He says, Oh, officer, I'm a minister. He said, This is water. The officer said, well, it doesn't smell like water. Can I see it? He says, officer, I assure you, I'm a man of God. This is water. The officer said, well, I just, can I see it then, man of God? So he took the, he took the canister. He looked in it. He sniffed it. And sure enough, it was wine. And the minister said, the Lord has done it again. <laughs> that means he was drinking. <laughs> But that doesn't make you joyful. Circumstances, getting something or don't get it something. How many of you know you can get your heart's desire and realize you weren't asking for the right things? There are some times when we put our emphasis too much on stuff and on things and on people. Stuff, things, and people will let you down. But the Bible tells us, let them ever shout for joy and be glad. There's something about when you live to this place called vertical call. When God says, when you honor me, you give me a joyful shout. Listen to Psalms 149 verses 5 through 9. It says, let the saints be joyful. Let the high praises of God. The high praises of God translates the shout of God. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword be in their hand. The only thing you can do with the two-edged sword in the scriptures is combat. Listen as it continues. To execute vengeance on the heathen and punishment on the ungodly to bind the kings with chains and the nobles with feathers of iron that says us that says to us something when you praise God not because of what you're going through but in spite of what you're going through when you take time to come to the house of God like today when you honor God when you go to work and live a life that says man I'm not where I can be but I'm better than I used to be and take your life and be at rest and be at peace God begins to go to war on your behalf when you begin to honor him he takes that word which is bound up and he releases it out to you and to what's coming against you and whatever coming against you is no match for the word that goes through you and for you when God says you pick on my son you pick on my daughter the things that tried to ensnare them the trees that trying to bind them the things that try to hold them back God says when you begin to praise me no matter what you're going through you give me a joyful shout I'll bind the king I'll bind the noble I'll bind those high places and I'll begin to give the victory every single time so why don't we do something today because some of you have the little golf clap and that's good 
could, but we're not Tiger Woods here today. We are people of faith. So on the count of three, I want you to rattle this thing. I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift up the roof. Give God the greatest shout of praise on the count of three you've ever given. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's pretty good. You feel that? Heaven felt that. And every demon in hell felt that too. What you're doing, you're binding the things that have tried to hold you back. You're binding things that have tried to steal your joy and, and take you in the wrong direction and fuel you in the wrong direction. So what are the effects of this thing to be filled with hope? There are so many, but if I can just take you on a drive this morning, just for a little bit, I would tell you the benefits of being a person that lives from one hope to another, one, one faith to another, in other words, one blessing to another, one belief to another in the Lord. I would tell you the benefits are so many, but if I could give you a, a few of them this morning, I'd say one of the benefits of having a contagious hope and being joy-filled, it produces patience. Because some of you are waiting on something, but in the waiting, you ought to be living in a place of rest. Not in a place of confusion, not in a place of works, but waiting on God. How many of you have a trouble, have trouble with impatience can I see your hand the rest of you are lying you liars this side over here just all lies down this road all liars will have their part in the lake of boop boop I think all of us in electronical age have trouble with waiting on stuff we live in America America is home fast cars fast food instant coffee instant potatoes and instant antiques no waiting we are in electronical age, and if our phone, do you know the new 12-mile walk in the snow? It's, it's no Wi-Fi. You know, when I was, I walked 12 miles in the snow to get to school, and I had to walk 12 miles, and I was barefoot, and then I didn't have a leg, and then my leg was, and then I didn't have arm, and then I didn't even have a head. My 12 miles, you don't know what I've went through. Now you know the new 12 miles in the snow? I don't have internet. What's the Wi-Fi passcode? See how whiny that is. I can't take my selfie. I think there's something about waiting that's difficult. Waiting is difficult, but if you wait long enough, you start preparing. Because if you're going to wait long enough for something, whether it's a spouse, a husband, a wife, a, a new job, something with your family, if you wait long enough, you're going to start preparing. And that's what the beauty of waiting on God is. It produces something if it's in the Lord called hope. It produces something called hope. God says, wait on me patiently. Some people, they, they're so living in an electronical age, they don't realize we serve an agricultural God. A God that is reaping and sowing, waiting for the harvest to come up, waiting as you plant the seed, expecting the harvest. But what do we do? We want that harvest now. We don't want to wait on anything. It's electronical. God, can't you move mountains? Can't you do this? And God says, I can do it. But to your detriment, you need to wait on me. 
You need to wait on me and let me give you the desires of your heart. Wait on me and let me give you the husband of your dreams. Not that old sour puss who won't serve God, won't honor God. He'll never keep a covenant with God. He ain't going to keep one with you. Why don't you leave that old Leroy alone and why don't you wait for God's man to come? And oh, I'm preaching a lot better than you're letting on. Hey. Men, why don't you stop looking for love in the club and in all the wrong places and trying to find them on, I, I, I don't want to be lonely.com. Why don't you wait on God? I don't want to be lonely. When you're lonely, why don't you pray? God's with you every step of the way. That says good for you, Joey, but not for me. But see, waiting is preparing. Some people, they get too impatient and it kills their harvest. Consider Abraham. The scriptures tell us he's 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90 and holding. Now, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in biology to know that there's not too much happening up in the bedroom. There's no pill that can fix it. Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know it's true. He's 100, she's 90, and God speaks to him and says, you're going to have a baby this time next year. The Bible says Sarah went home to his, uh, Abraham went home to his wife Sarah and said, honey, cut the television off. <laughs> DVR it. God told me this time next year you're going to have a baby. The Bible says Sarah laughed. Probably to keep from crying. When you're 90 years old and your husband's 100 years old, I don't think having a baby is number one on the hit parade. But the Bible says God did something. Sparks flew all over that tent. God cranked up the man of God's battery one more time. And nine months later, Isaac, the son of laughter, was born. You know why? The Bible tells us his name was Isaac. It means the son of laughter. Here's why. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you know Abraham? He hoped for one thing his whole life. He's waiting on God. He's waiting on the promise. And he hoped for one thing his entire life. A son who he can pass that promise on to. And it happened. Why? Because he hoped in God. How do you know that? Because the Bible says in Romans 4.18 that Abraham who against hope. When everything in the natural, everything in the natural said no way, not going to happen. It's not going to be a reality. Abraham who against hope believed in hope that he might be the father of many nations. But the only thing he needed was a son for it to become a reality and it happened why did it happen because he hoped thou in God he hoped in God and it brought him joy laughter Isaac some of you just need to start laughing again you watch a funny movie not carnality movie and think it's funny watch something funny start laughing again I laugh at you guys all the time I do I have nicknames for some of you I laugh at lots of you. I laugh at myself. I always, we have a good time cutting it up. There's something to be said about a joyful heart. It doeth good like a medicine. You have to realize in the promise you're waiting for, with the diagnosis, with your family, with your personal desires of your heart, why don't you learn to laugh and be patient? Wait on God. Abraham hoped, but it came to pass because he waited for the promise to come to pass. Can I tell you today, you will never rise higher than the hope that's in your heart. You will never rise higher than the hope that's in your heart. 
Some of you think there's no chance for the dream in your life to become a reality. There's no chance for the thing you're believing for, the thing that you're trusting God. There's no way, Joey, I can't accomplish that. Joey, there's no way I can't do that. You'll never rise higher than the hope that's in your heart. There's no way that two million Hebrew slaves could walk across dry shod, bound for the promised land. There's no way such a thing could happen, but it happened. There's no way a fire by night would warm them and a, and a breeze and a cloud by day to cool them. No such way a thing like that could happen, but it happened. There's no way that manna would fall every single morning from heaven for 40 years to feed of them. No way such a thing would happen. But it happened. There was no way that water would gush out of a rock to feed millions and nourish them and their livestock. No way such a thing would happen. But it happened. There was no way that they can go to the land flowing with milk and with honey. There's no way such a thing would happen. But it happened. There's no way that Israel would become a nation again and the, and the trotting down of the Gentiles in 70 AD. No way that Israel would come back to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. No way such a thing would happen. In 1948, it happened. A nation was born in a day. 1967, it happened. Jerusalem was captured back under Israeli control. It happened. Some of you today, you think there's no way for the dream in your life to become a reality. But I'm telling you today, if you can find a verse right here in the Bible, you can hold on to it. It's an anchor to your soul. What's on you? It's the fragrance of hope. It fills you with joy. It starts splashing over to others. And now what's on you is getting on them, not what's on them getting on you. And now you've got pride. You've got honor. You've got uh, something to believe for. Some of you need to notify your face that you are alive and you're well and the best is yet to come I'm preaching a lot better than your amen but that's all right let's close our time worship team would you please come back there's something to be said today about hope some of you think there's no hope for you to get out of debt I'm telling you God can provide for you some of you think there's no hope for your son or daughter who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, but there's no high like the most high. Some of you think there's no hope for the, for the dream. There's no hope for your family. There's no hope. I'm telling you there is hope. To be joyful in hope. God will give you the desires of your heart. Keep pursuing him. Keep trusting him. There's hope for you. There's hope for your family. There's something to be said today about trusting the Lord. Hope produces patience. But listen to me. It purifies 1 John 3, 3, let everyone have this hope set on him. Purify himself. Not purity on the outside. So often in church, we, we have a tendency to start looking on the outward person, the outward man, the outward woman, and talk about purity. You need to dress a certain way, look a certain way, wear certain things. That's not the purification God's looking for. God's looking at the heart. He says, you get cleaned on the inside. It's not a matter of what you look like on the outside. God's only examining one muscle, the heart muscle. It doesn't matter how muscly you are, men, or how much you think you're macho. Macho don't mean macho. There's only one measure. It's the heart of the man. It's the heart of the woman. And God says, you want to be pure as I am pure? Give that heart in its place to pursue me, to love me, to honor me. And when you do that, that's pure. It's not by what you wear. It's not what a church says you should look like, act like. But see, we do that all the time. We go, oh, you got to be pure, dress a certain way, act a certain way. And now we got a bunch of religious robots. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Bunch of nonsense. A bunch of silliness. And the world looks at that and goes, I don't want any part of that cult. Why is it a cult? Because it's birthed in the flesh. And what's birthed in the flesh has to be maintained in the flesh. But what's birthed in your spirit will fill up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you with that because I think many of you today needed to hear that. God says this hope that sets on you will purify itself. But sometimes we look at problems, we look at them anything but purification. We look at them as something to avoid, get out of, and something we wish upon nobody. But God says in the book of James, the refiner's fire purifies us stronger and more brighter than gold. When the fire of affliction comes, the fire of adversity, an upbringing, a situation, a heartache, an abuse, if you have your hope in God, it won't take you out. It'll take you in. And it'll purify you. Not on the outward, so now you start looking and talking like somebody you don't even understand. But you'll have an inward peace and confidence that God is for me. And the trial that I'm facing is not to try to take me out is to try to take me into my divine destiny. And some of you need to realize that the thing that was meant to destroy you, the weapon that has been formed against you and your family, the weapon of of sickness and disease, of confusion, of anxiety, of worry, the weapon of poverty, the weapon that the enemies tried to form to take you out, God says that weapon, though it's formed, will not prosper. And everything that will rise against you, I'm going to condemn. I'm going to purify that thing. I'm going to purify that thing, Mom. I'm going to purify that thing, Dad. I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to fuel it with hope. I'm not going to fuel it with happiness because that happiness will be based on circumstance. Your circumstances may not change immediately. I'm going to fuel it with the right stuff, hope. And when I fuel it with hope, then you will go to your divine destiny and fulfill your God-given purpose. Listen to Acts 20 and 24. Then I may finish my course with joy the ministry I've received by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus received joy fulfilling his divine purpose on this planet? He said, not my will, but God, your will be done. That was Jesus speaking. What is your divine purpose? You know, you can be very successful in life doing some things. I want you all to look at me, but you're not going to have joy until you do God's thing. You know, there's no doubt in my life it's God's will for me to be doing what we're doing. I'm not a person, I wasn't raised in church. I have no religious background or upbringing. The only time I came to church was to be a public speaker in the church. I never went to church except for one time and I gave my heart to the Lord, May 18th, 1997. Next Sunday, I was speaking. God opened up the doors for me to become, to be a speaker and to minister and to do things. But I gotta tell you, I would have never known that that was in me to be a pastor, to be a minister. It's nothing I aspire to. It's nothing I come from a fifth generation of nothing. I'm not a fifth generation minister. I'm not a, I wasn't raised in church like some of you had the privilege to be. But I tell you that because there's nothing else that brings me joy. The first service, we had no music, no sound, no light. I preached right on the ground like the place was packed, like the, like the magnificent sinners of the world. I didn't care. It's, it brings me joy. And I made sure I had a smile on my face and didn't look like I was yelling at him because I didn't have a mic. I was talking to him in the back, but I kept a smile. What's my point? It brings me joy. 
to get the letters, the emails, the people's lives that have been transformed because of something that we've said or helped them with, man, it brings me joy. It brings me joy to build that city center and have thousands of kids come to it. Man, it brings me joy. It brings me joy to see what God's going to be able to do here in the next short time that we'll be here. It brings me joy. Listen to Colossians 1.16. Everything in heaven, everything in earth, everything that's visible, everything that's invisible finds its purpose in God. Focusing on yourself will never reveal God's purpose and plan for your life. What happens is when we live by happiness, then we're told by people who don't have the mindsets of God to start focusing on your inner self. If Oprah had her book club back, it would be the best-selling book. Focus on your inner self. Get in touch with your inner self. You, get in touch with your inner self. Your inner self is really what's going to make the difference. Can I tell you, your inner self, you don't have the answer for you. You don't have the answer for you. I don't have the answer for me. You couldn't have told me in 1997, Joey, you're going to reach and millions of people just in public schools alone in a short amount of time. Joey, you're going to minister in front of ma masses amounts of people and little things that you're going to do are going to have great impact. I would have said there's no way a person like me could do that. But we don't have the answer for us. You don't have the answer for you. You can't let circumstance dictate your you can't let circumstances dictate what you're going to be. You've got to let God who created you call out of you the greatness of what you can become. You don't have the answer for you. You were made by God and you were made for God. And there's no accidents in this room. And until you understand that, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have peace. I don't care how successful you become. I don't care how depressed you become. I don't care how awesome you become. I don't care whatever it is. You've got to ask yourself this morning, what drives me? What drives me? Let me ask you, what drives you? You say, Joey, I came in a Toyota. No, not that. <laughs> what gets you up in the morning? See, some of you, if you are honest and reflective, you're driven by guilt. There's a dark chapter in your life. There was hurt. There was pain. You wish nobody knew about it. You wish you would go away, but the enemy torments you with it night and day. I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ can wipe that chapter clean because of his amazing grace. Some of you are driven by materialism. Some of you are driven by the need of approval. You allow the expectations and others dictate and control your life. Can I tell you, social media, block, delete, that doesn't just exist in social media. You ought to do that to some people in your life. Block them, delete them, get rid of them. They don't have the best things for you. But you're driven by the need of approval. Some people are driven by the need of acceptance and the need of this. Why are you doing what you're doing? accomplishments without purpose is just a waste of time the greatest tragedy in life is not death the greatest tragedy in life is a life that fails to fulfill the purpose of God there's not a man or a woman in this room a, a student or a child in this room that is not put here on this planet for a divine purpose once you find it once you realize you are a person made on purpose 
you will rise and be fueled with the right stuff called hope and optimism and faith. And you won't let the doom and gloom of emotions and happiness dictated upon circumstances drive you any longer. You will be driven by waiting on God, letting the afflictions purify you and trusting God that you're gonna come out wiser and stronger, more purified than anything and anyone because you have a divine purpose.